Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 8. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. After David understood that he was doing the right thing the wrong way, David did the right thing the right way. After three months, David takes the ark, and according to, according to God's word, and he slowly makes his way to Jerusalem with the ark, and it was a long, bloody journey because they had, watch this, to stop every 30 feet and offer a sacrifice. Every 30 feet, they had to stop, offer sacrifice, and then move. So it was a long, bloody journey. When they finally got the ark to Jerusalem, chapter 6, verse 14, go ahead and look at it. The Bible tells us that David danced before the Lord wearing a linen ephod or wearing his undies. David was glad to know when you obey God, you are blessed. Point blank, period. Done with that. Chapter 7, David wants to build God a house. He asked Nathan. Nathan said, sure, do all that's in your heart to do. God is with you. Chapter 7, verse 6, go ahead and look at it. God said, no, I'm not. God said, Nate, you need to go correct the word that you gave to David. God said, David, I don't want you to build me a house. I never asked you or anyone else for that matter to build me a house. I haven't lived in a house since Egypt. But I've moved about in a tent and a tabernacle. God said, David, I don't want a house from you, although I'm going to build you a house. I'm going to build you a dynasty. We talked about that. A kingdom that will last forever. Verse 13, chapter 7. The phrase, a dynasty or a kingdom that will last forever, God is talking about building David um, or, or God is talking about the Davidic covenant. The Davidic covenant. We don't have time to talk about that tonight. We talked about it in chapter 7. If you missed any of these teachings, just go to the bookstore, order whatever you like, and and, and catch up with us. So beginning in chapter 7 through chapter 11, I told you that David is involved in four important activities. The next five chapters, David is involved in four important activities, including chapter 7. We already dealt with that. Chapter 7, accepting God's will. Chapter 8, fighting God's battle, which we'll talk about tonight. Chapter 9, sharing God's kindness. Chapter 10, defending God's honor. And then finally, chapter 11, David begins to disobey God again. Let me read it to you again in case you're typing or you're writing. You got some fast finger sharing. Do it. I see you doing your thing. I'm, I'm, I'm talking and you just, amen, we're a team. Look at it, just like that. Accepting God's will, chapter 7. Fighting God's battle, chapter 8. Sharing God's kindness, chapter 9. Defending God's honor, chapter 10. 
And David begins to sin again in chapter 11. Tonight we come to chapter 8, fighting God's battles. Second Samuel, saints, I brought you up to date. Now that's it. Second Samuel chapter 8, we're picking up in verse uh, 1. If you're looking at verse 1, say, I'm looking at him. After this, after this, it came to pass that David attacked the Philistines. I want you to underline that. David attacked the Philistines and subdued them. And David took Metheg, Amah, from the hand of the Philistines. And then he defeated Moab, forcing them down to the ground. He measured them off with a line. With two lines, he measured off those to be put to death. And with one line, full, with one full line, those to be kept alive. So the Moabites became David's servants and brought tribute. I'll explain. David also defeated Hadadezer, the son of Rehob, king of Zobah, as he went to recover his territory at the river Euphrates. And David took from him 1,000 chariots, 700 horsemen, and 20,000 foot soldiers. Also, David hamstrung all the chariot horses, except that he spared enough of them for 100 chariots. And when the Syrians of Damascus came to help Hadadezer, king of Zobah, David killed 20,000, 22,000 of the Syrians. And then David put garrisons in Syria of Damascus, and the Syrians became David's servants and bought tribute. So the Lord, in verse 6, preserved David wherever he went. Please underline that. And David took the shields of gold that had belonged to the servants of Adadezer and brought them to Jerusalem. Also from Beta and from Barathai, cities of Hadadezer, King David took a large amount of bronze. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention again. Under David's leadership, Israel is occupying Jerusalem for the first time. At the time of chapter 8, things are, are going great. Things are, are awesome. Things are, um, David is, 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 is leading Israel, and, 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 and they are experiencing prosperity, unprecedented prosperity, uh, materially and spiritually, the land that was flow that was to flow with milk and honey is flowing with milk and honey on every level. But Israel was surrounded by their enemies, enemies on every side. The Philistines, just listen to me. The Philistines are to the west by the Mediterranean. The Syrians to the north in the area of Aram, Damascus. The Moabites to the east in Ammon, beyond the Dead Sea. The Edomites to the south. They're surrounded. The enemy, watch this, listen, I'm going somewhere. The enemy is just creeping in and he kept taking more and more ground. And before they knew it, they were surrounded, trapped, engulfed, and they didn't see it coming. Now listen, before we go any further, let me just make application with this. This is very important. This is exactly what happens to Christians. The enemy, or let's call it compromise, or let's call it the flesh, just creeps in little bit by little bit by little bit, and before you know it, you're trapped. Listen, nobody gets trapped in sin or caught in an addiction because they choose to. People don't backslide because they choose to. 
Nobody wakes up in the morning. Are y'all listening over here? Nobody wakes up in the morning. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, you know what? I think I'll backslide today. Nobody does that. Nobody wakes up in the morning and goes, you know what? I think I'll become an addict today. Nobody does that. It happens little bit by little bit by little bit. It happens over time. It happens with one compromise at a time. It happens, you find yourself away from the Lord. You find yourself away from the Lord and you wonder how I got here. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. I know y'all spiritual, but, but I'm just going to talk about it anyway, okay? You find yourself away from the Lord and you go, how did I get here? How did I get here? I mean, man, I was just walking with God. Nobody like wakes up and just decides that they're going to compromise. You, you, you find yourself over time uh, away from the Lord because you, you stop doing what you used to do or you stop doing the thing that had you close to the Lord. I remember when we were in the Church of God in Christ, we used to sing the song, Take Me Back. Take me back, dear Lord, to the place where I first received you. Because it was there that you were happy. It was there that you were walking close to the Lord. It was there that you were in fellowship with the Lord. But somehow, some way, one compromise at a time. Oh, you miss church on Sunday. Oh, I miss church on Sunday. Okay, no big deal. Then Wednesday came by and, oh, man, I couldn't get through traffic. Just, oh, okay. And then the next Sunday, y'all going to the beach. So we're going to the beach or we're going to miss Sunday then. And then, and then you come back. And then, then you miss another Sunday because you're tired from going to the beach. And before you know it, one week of missing service turns into six months. That's the God's honest truth. I have talked to people who have told me just that. I know that to be a fact. It turns into six months. Or, or, or you start doing something that you shouldn't be doing, and it's just one time, or I'm just yeah, out of the party, I'm only doing it one time, and that's it. And then you continue, and you do it again, and you do it again, and you do it again. The enemy, listen, it's taking ground, or you find yourself drifting away, and you don't even know it. You don't feel it. You don't sense it. You're drifting off course. Let me share something with you about being a Christian. If you're not growing or maturing as a Christian, you're losing ground. Listen, if you want to write something down, write this down. Don't write nothing else tonight, but you can write this down. If you find that you are not growing as a Christian and you're not maturing, you are losing ground. If you're not going forward, you are going backward. In this thing that we call the Christian walk, nobody stands still. Nobody. Nobody. I don't care if you're the pastor, the bishop, apostle, prophet, overseer. Nobody stands still. You're either progressing or you are digressing. But you're not standing still. There's no such thing as spiritual doggy paddle. Y'all say amen. Amen. No, it isn't. You're not treading spiritual water. There's no such thing as standing still. You're either moving forward or you're moving backward. And the enemy is taking more and more territory in your heart. It's a heart issue. The things that you're doing is just a manifestation of your heart. 
So we don't need to talk about stop doing this and stop doing that. You know, people get it all mixed up. They think, well, I need to stop doing this and start do- stop doing that and start doing this and start doing that. And if I start doing, then things will change. No, 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 no. You have a heart problem. You got a heart problem and you need your heart dealt with. And the only way to get your heart dealt with that I know is through this book. Okay. And the only way for you to get, I'll wait while you clap your hands there. And the only way for you to get this book in you is to num- is the number one, read it. And then number two, come to church and hear it. How should they hear unless they, unless there's a preacher? You need to hear the word of God. You need to constantly be having a steady diet of the word of God. Y'all know what I'm talking about tonight. Are y'all, are y'all home making dinner? You need to have a steady diet of the word of God. Everybody, including the preacher. Now, why y'all get all loud and say amen when I said including the preacher? That's shady. I don't know about y'all. I don't know about y'all. In the text, the enemy is closing in and surrounding David on every side. And notice, okay, let's get to it. Look at verse 1. David launched a preemptive strike. Notice the Bible tells us it came to pass David attacked the Philistines. David didn't stand there and do nothing. David goes on the offense and he goes after them before they close in on him. Verse 1 is very important. David attacked the Philistines, Philistines and subdued them. First time in the nation that Israel subdued the Philistines. David took Methag Amma. That word is way too close to Methag Amma. Leave it. Is a strategic location. Yes, it is. Because the Philistines considered this place to be the gateway to the rest of the land. Methag Amma is another word for Gath. Write it down. So David took the city of Gath out of the control of the Philistines. He also defeated Moab and he measured them off with a line. David used two lines to put to death and one line to keep alive. In other words, David laid them on the ground, every one of the men who were two lines tall, and David killed them. Everyone who was one line tall, David allowed them to live. So listen, this was a good day to be short. Amen. This was a good day to be short. Ron, you might have had a problem that day. <laughs> Brian, you might have had a problem too. I told you about 6162. 61, six you might have had a problem. Trina, there ain't no respected person. They might have a problem with you too. <laughs> That's what the Bible say. <laughs> Oh, good day to be short. All the short guys with a complex were happy to be short that day. (laughs) So the question, why was David so severe? Okay, the question, why was David so severe and so harsh toward the Moabites? Well, remember, let me just insert this here. Remember David's great-grandmother? What was her name? Ruth, you know that. And she was a Moabite. Just a little side note. Also... Now, here's what I think. Why so harsh? Why so severe? First Samuel chapter 22, David was in the cave of Adullam. You remember that. And while in the cave of Adullam, his mom and his dad came to visit him. 
And when he left the cave of Adullam, mom and dad, he took mom and dad to the king of the Moabites for them to care for them, for, for the king to care for them. And many scholars believe that the king of Moab killed them. So David is settling the score, and that's why he battled and defeated the Moabites. That's speculation, but strong. David, in verse 3 through 8, goes up, to, to up, up north to take back some territory from King Hadadezer. And 1 Chronicles 19, listen, tells the same story. But in 1 Chronicles 19, it seems to read that David ran into King Hadadezer at the great rivers Euphrates. You remember, write down this verse, Genesis chapter 15, memory verse, verse 18, Genesis 15, 18. God told Abraham that the promised land was to extend from Egypt to the great river Euphrates, which includes all the land of the Kenites, the Hittites, the Parasites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Gergesites, and the Jebusites. God spoke to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, verse 3 through 4. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said, to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the, what saints, great rivers, it's on the screen, what saints, great rivers Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory, God said to Israel. God gave them all this territory. Israel never, ever, never took the land that God had given them. Now watch this. They were content to live in a small portion of the land while the enemies of Israel controlled the bulk of the land. So David is moving forward on the offense, and, 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 and he takes the land, and during David's reign, I think I mentioned this to you the last time, during David's reign, David took um, Israel, or went, or, or went, Israel was 6,000 square feet, and David had taken so much land, they now have 60,000 square feet. So David is on the move, taking back land as God had given it to them. Look at verse 4. David took 1,000 chariots, 700 horsemen, 20,000 footmen. This king, Hadadezer, had a huge army. The 20,000 foot soldiers, they were either taken captive or killed. We really don't know from the text. But notice the Bible tells us that David hamstrung or cut the hamstring of the horse or the horses so they couldn't run. Now listen, before you think that David was cruel to animals, a couple of reasons why David did this. Number one, David couldn't care for so many horses while on this military campaign. Number two, also he, David, was forbidden by God to take all of these horses. Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 16 and 17, tell us that Israel was forbidden to do three things. They were forbidden to take multiple wives. They were forbidden to take silver and gold. And they were forbidden to take horses from Egypt. They were forbidden, Deuteronomy 17, 16, 17, reading your own time, Forbidden to take wives, silver and gold, and to multiply horses. God didn't want them to take these things because God wanted to be their only provision. And also to learn what the psalmist said, Psalm 20, verse 7, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. 
So David didn't kill the horses. He just cut the hamstrings so they couldn't be used for riding. And he kept a hundred chariots just so they could move a little bit faster. In verse 5 and 6, when the Syrian of Damascus tried to help Hadadezer, David killed 20,000 of them and the Syrians became servants to David. Now, the Syrians of Damascus were peoples located around the city of Damascus, as well as in the area of Zobah. David killed 22,000 of these men in addition to the 20,000 in verse 4, possibly. And this is why David was known as a man of war or why David was known as a bloody king. David was getting these great victories because, verse 6, look at it, the Lord preserved David wherever he went. Verse 7 tells us, David took the shields of gold that belonged to the servants of Hadadezer and brought them to Jerusalem. David took the shields of gold, and they weren't used for battle. He didn't take them for battle. He took them for trophies. They were used to testify of God's work through David, so David takes these things used by Satan or the enemy, gold shields, and he gives them to the Lord. You know, somebody asked me what made me think of this. Somebody asked me, if somebody hit the lottery, they said, Pastor, if somebody hit the lottery, would you take the money and use it for the church? If they gave the church money, like they tithe from hitting the lottery, would you take the money and use it for the church? I said, uh, final answer, Yes. (laughs) Why not? Look, if David can take what is of value that was once dedicated for the use of the enemy or for Satan's use and give it to the Lord, what's the problem? The story is told of a pastor who received a large contribution from a gambler. And some people said that he was taking the devil's money. And he said, love this. He said, the devil has had it long enough. Let's see what God can do with it. Am I right about it? Amen. Let the church say amen. Amen. So David, he took the shields that belonged to Hadadezer and he bought them to Jerusalem and he made them trophies. Interesting. David took what was the glory of the enemy. Watch this. And he changed them into trophies of the power and the goodness of God. It sounds like what God does with us, doesn't it? He takes people and changes them and makes them trophies of his grace. Two things I want to tell you. Number one, God wants to hold you up as a trophy of his grace. I really believe that God wants to use your life in such a way that even the angels stand back and scratch their head and say, wow, God is a gracious God. I'm sure, I am confident that the angels in heaven, when they look down on Rodney Finch, that they scratch their head and they go, wow, God is amazingly gracious. Look at that. If he can do that with that, he can do anything. Because God wants to hold me and hold you up as a trophy of his grace. We don't have anything to offer to him. Y'all say better amen than that. We don't have anything to offer to him but our lives and of our hearts. And so whenever anything good comes of our lives, it just simply means that God has changed and transformed you. And now he's holding you up as a trophy of his grace. I'm right about it. And the second thing I want to tell you is that this is a picture or a lesson for all of us. Listen, everybody has the Hadadezers in their life. Everybody has the Syrians. In their life, everybody has the Gaths. Gath equals Philistines. 
in their life. Everybody has those Moabites or remember we talked about it, the Agags. Remember the Agags? In their life, the struggles in their life. And sometimes when you get on the offense like David and you attack the Moabite, you attack the Agag, you attack the Philistine before the Philistine attacks you. Sometimes you got to say, listen, it is time to get up and go after this thing that holds me in fetters and chains. Are y'all listening? It's time for me to get up and go after that thing and begin to, to exercise the, the, the power that God has given me. He's given us power over every um, uh, evil thing that would, that would seek to hold us back. But we remain held back because we want to. Because if you're a Christian, God has given you the power and he's given you the strength to just say no. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the media library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.